chillin' and a you will hear about the eliminating of the negative and a accent on a positive. And gather round me, chillin', if you're willing, and sit tight while I start reviewing the attitude of doing right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird. This podcast is sponsored by Four Data, a Canberra-based company that is committed to ensuring business owners have reliable and professional IT services. I'm a client of Four Data. I use their website hosting services. And I'm also reducing my email spam with their secure email hosting service. As a special offer to the Joyful Frugalista podcaster listeners, 4Data will provide, wherever you are, website hosting at $12 a month and up to two hours initial free migration service, valued at $300. Find them online at number 4data.com.au. 4Data. They fix IT. Hello, Frugalistas. And welcome. Today I have a very special guest. But first, I have some news to share. And that is, if you have been thinking of buying a copy of the Joyful Frugalista book, it has been selling like hotcakes and now is a really good time to buy it. Now, how do I know that? Because on the Booktopia website, when you look on it, it has a little red flag next to it with a lightning strike symbol and the words, selling fast. It is selling like hotcakes, like I said. If you've been thinking of purchasing another copy for yourself, perhaps to take notes in, if you've been reading a copy from the library, or if you've been thinking about giving it to a friend, maybe your sister or your mum or your best friend as a present, or if you know someone who's really doing it tough financially right now, do yourself a favour and buy a copy of the book. I'm sure you will really treasure it and your friend will really treasure it as well. Also, I've been putting a lot more content on Instagram recently. I'm really proud that I'm able to do this and I would love your help to really build the community on Instagram. Please make sure to search for The Joyful Frugalista, like, comment, leave a comment with the hashtag Joyful Frugalista and especially too if you are a reader of the book and you have a photo of yourself reading the book, Use the hashtag Joyful Frugalista and we will find you. We're always really happy to profile the Joyful Frugalista readers. So back to my special guest. Welcome, Ray. Thank you so much, Serena. I'm happy to be here. I am honoured to have you here. Ray is founder and chair of the Canberra Gals Network, a not-for-profit organisation that aims to empower women and girls in Canberra. And if you have Gathered from her accent that she's not a native Canberran, you would be right. While she has become a true Canberran, she was not born here and she was originally from the US of A and she will talk about how she got here during this podcast. She's also an author and sustainable fashion expert. Welcome. Thank you, Ray. Thanks. I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) Thank you. And congratulations on your recent big event, the Canberra Girls Network Gala Ball. It was just such an amazing event. Oh, we had such a wonderful time and we were just so lucky to be able to bring so many people together during a pandemic. It was my first real big social outing post-COVID and I mean, we're still in COVID, but post our shutdown here in Canberra, I was still almost to the day of it wondering whether it was still going to go ahead because there were so many things that were changing so quickly. 
And you did it so well to bring so many people together, but in a health appropriate way during a pandemic. Well, thank you for that. And quite frankly, Serena, we were right in that boat with you with whether (laughs) or not we could pull this thing off. We originally planned the gala for the city of Canberra. We were going to apply for a grant and we created very specific dimensions around this gala. It was going to be a $25,000 event with 100 people. It would bring together local makers, shakers, and Canberra women in business together uh, for this idea of building a more inclusive Canberra. We would find out about that grant, apparently, three weeks before it was going to go ahead or not. Let's move back to ground zero. This is six weeks out. In three weeks, we'll find out whether or not we get the money to do it. So we have to decide then and there that we're going to charge forward no matter what. Spoiler alert, we don't get the grant. Oh. So we had to refinance everything with three weeks to go for a pop-up gala. And the joke is that we would tell people, there's a reason why you've never heard the words pop-up and gala next to each (laughs) other in a sentence. And it is because it's hard to do. But with many things in life, we had a very clear vision of what we wanted to accomplish. And even though the external forces were kind of telling us this may not happen, it was kind of like the Red Sea parted and everything happened the way it was supposed to. And we were able to pull it off. From an attendee perspective, it looked super organized and everything seemed to run really smoothly. From the red carpet as I entered the venue, the wonderful opportunities for glamour photos, the networking opportunities that happened despite COVID and needing to maintain an appropriate social distance. It seemed really, really smooth. And I really enjoyed meeting new people at that event. What was so interesting about this event is that where we didn't have money, we had time. So we were able to be super creative with how we were to coordinate the entire event. Although we couldn't necessarily have people mingling around a room with drinks in their hands like you would at a typical pre-COVID networking event, we decided that we could get creative with it. We sent out personality quizzes. They were super short, I think 10 questions, to all event attendees, and everyone filled this out, and we matched people, so kind of preordained their tables (laughs) and paired people with like-minded ideas and dreams for how they wanted their life to be. Where we couldn't do things one way, we were able to innovate and create something that was almost better in the end. So it's kind of like network dating. It it was actually. It was it was like match.com but for women in business. (laughs) (laughs) Just fabulous and it worked so well. We were talking about this before, but I think there is a real and genuine need at the moment for people to be connecting authentically. Absolutely. And I think that really now more than ever is the time to make those connections. I think before you might have networking events where people were hungry to meet each other because they wanted to forward their business ideas or or make new connections that way. But I think that now people are actually just hungry for human connection. So it creates really magical events. Mm, Quite amazing. Congratulations once again with that. Now, we were talking before about how you are not a native Canberran. How did you get to Canberra? (sighs) Well, the long story short is I fell in love. But 
my way to coming to Canberra was long and convoluted and fun, full of adventure. I graduated from Florida, where I was born and bred from the University of Florida. Go Gators! And I moved abroad to Italy, Florence, Italy, to be specific. I had taken a study abroad adventure there, and three months turned into six months, six months turned into two years. I loved this place so much, and I felt a deep connection with the people and the language and the place that was Florence. I just felt so alive there. Then I met someone. I was actually kind of fresh off the heartbreak train. I joined Tinder, and (laughs) I uh, was really on Tinder to meet Italian guys and practice Italian language. You know, I wasn't in it for love. I certainly didn't think I would find a relationship. And that's always how it happens, right? So I see this Aussie on there. His name's Declan. And I think to myself, this is great. I'm never going to fall in love with an Australian. It's way too far. I'm not going there. (laughs) Famous last word. (laughs) Spoiler alert, that did not happen. Um, I fell in love quickly. And Declan and I both kind of looked at each other and we noticed that the universe was opening, right? Two doors across a hallway were opening and we could either jump through them and and hurdle into the unknown or close the doors. He invited me to come to Canberra for a four-week stay just to see where he's from. And I had never known anything about Canberra. I probably couldn't have located it on a map. I never thought I would come to Australia And I came here for a four-week holiday and never left. You never left. Canberra has that effect on people, doesn't it? It sure does, for all the right reasons. And it's an odd thing because most people say, particularly in other places in Australia, oh, why would you move to Canberra? Such an awful place. I once had someone say, oh, commiserations to you living in Canberra. And I was like, no, actually, it's a really lovely place. It's an incredible place with incredible people, but I also just let people who have those opinions keep them. I don't try to convince them. Don't come here. (laughs) Don't spoil it for the rest of us. Exactly. But so now you've moved to Canberra, a place you can now locate on a map, and you now know (laughs) that it's the nation's capital, and so you're here in Canberra. So what was it like? Suddenly you've moved to a completely different country once, and now you've moved to a completely new country a second time. Obviously studied in the States, you probably had a career path, and now you're in Canberra. How was that for you in terms of thinking about how your goals and your vision, your why, how has that changed? Mm. Well, um, all the while I was working for a Silicon Valley tech startup, ed tech startup to be specific, called Study Soup. And I was working with them as the marketing operations manager. And I had this vision for myself of being able to flitter around the globe regardless of my career and develop um, my marketing skills and tool belt from wherever. And this was great, actually, in theory. When I came here, I actually found that the hours were so difficult to maintain because my boss was in Spain, so that's minus 10 hours, I think, from here. I understand my husband was in Spain over Christmas with work, and it's really hard. It is. It's a particularly hard time zone to manage. It was. And then the company itself was actually in California. So I was working in one time zone delivering in a second time zone and then collaborating in a third. And it was it actually just resulted in me working around the clock. Although I had this amazing freedom, I, I couldn't do anything with it because I couldn't get out of the house at all. 
around that time, I was starting to think to myself, you know, I think that I could start something myself. I think I'm ready to make that jump. I'd just written my book. I'd published it from Florence, Italy called Girl in a Taxi. And it was of this adventure that a young American girl had come to Italy and had the adventure there. I'd published a book. I was ready to kind of move on to this next piece of my life. I had a feeling, a weird feeling, that the company that I was work, working for was not doing well. So all of these things are happening at once. But problem A is I can't get out of the house. Whereas in the first country I was in, I had my friends, I had my community of dancers, and I had the school originally. I moved here and I just had my partner. So it was incredibly and that's, isolating. That's hard, isn't it? We've been watching a lot of these reality TV programs and recently Father um, Wants a Wife and it's it's all very glamorous and it's all very romantic but then the reality of being in a remote community where you don't know anyone and you don't have the community support, it's quite different, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely it is and it can be very isolating and anyone who's moved to a new place knows that when you feel lonely, it's very difficult to put yourself out there. Mm. It is. You're at that point where you think, oh, I've got nothing to offer. I'm the nobody. I mean, it's all negative self-talk. Anyone who's listening to this, I don't think you are actually like that. I think you're fabulous. But that that negative self-talk you have, don't you? Absolutely. I'm not part of the group. I don't belong. Mm. And I think that other people too can smell loneliness to a degree. So you feel like you're wearing this tattoo on your forehead that says I'm alone. Uh, But it's not true. So Eventually, what happened was that I started looking outward, thinking to myself, I need my community, my tribe of some kind. And at the time in Canberra, two and a half years ago, there was no group that I could find that was just for women to have a nice time. It was always centered around some sort of activity that made you prove that you belonged there. And I'm thinking to myself, my, you know, 22-year-old self at the time. I don't have time for this. Um, I barely have time as it is for anything. I just would love to have some happy hours, some gals that want to lift each other up, want to have that feeling of connection in all the right ways, um, but I don't necessarily have to go to every single one. From that, I felt inspired to start it myself, really. And this was just going to be an Instagram page. The CBR gals is what I called it the CBR Gals Network. And I started posting about women lifting each other up, the idea of collaborating instead of competing, the idea that there's room for more than just one of us at the top. Let's get there together. And very quickly, a community just started coming around that. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? And how did it feel when you created that page? Was it scary before you did it? Was it something you thought, well, no one's going to get this I'm from Florida. I don't belong. I'm I'm wearing lonely like a tattoo on my forehead. (laughs) Well, actually, it took me a long time to even reveal to anyone that I was the one running it. I started it in November of 2018, and we didn't have our first event until February uh, February of 2019. So there was a few months there where I didn't tell anyone. Even the friends that I had made here, I didn't tell what I was up to. Of course, my partner knew because he was the one cheering me on the whole time. But I didn't want anyone to say to me, you're not even Australian. What gives you the right to run a page called the Canberra Gals Network? I didn't want any of that negative talk getting into my ears. So I just kept going. 
And then when the event came around, none of that actually happened. Nobody pulled down the curtain and yelled at me. None of that actually happens. At times you can be your own worst enemy, but the reality is, and this is something I firmly believe, if what you want to do aligns with the right thing to do, you will be successful. That's really powerful, Ray. Thank you for sharing that. So then let's go. You've had an Instagram page for a while, which you didn't even tell the few friends you had that was yours. So lying really low there. And then you have your first event. What was your first event and how did you get from your first event to where you are now? First event was a very basic happy hour. And actually, I invited all of the friends I had made. My partner was there. For me, from the beginning, it was, if I can just change one person's life, then it will be worth it. And I can do this. This is a passion project. I never did it for any other reason other than I wanted to do it. I thought it would be fun. We had that first happy hour. We had 13 RSVPs and 13 people came. Wow, that's a good turnout. Especially for a free event. It's great. And I thought to myself, I can do this. This is great. Let's just keep doing events like this. The programs of types of events we have evolved. We still continue to do our free happy hours for people who are busy. They want something to do. They want to meet up with people. But we also do things like clothing swaps. We do sustainable drinks where we chat about sustainability. We do workshops, panels, small business meetups, and then of course the gala. We've done events of all kinds and we partner with local creators, makers, shakers, and more to really give a platform for women in business and help them succeed together. Once again, that's very powerful stuff. And I know you've spoken on the Joyful Business Club during a Facebook Live and you have contributed to what's now a guest blog post on the Joyful Business Club about your decision to start a not-for-profit. Maybe just talk some listeners through that. So you're now incorporated as a not-for-profit. Yes. We decided to make that call because at the end of the day, there was a very clear mission in every Canberra woman to be more in her personal and professional capacity through inclusive events. And that vision was really clear. I never wanted to make any money out of it. And with a not-for-profit, the structure we were looking at, that structure was what was going to make that mission most possible, being a not-for-profit. So we decided to incorporate a board of directors quickly formed around the community. From that moment on, everything that we have done, every action that we have created and executed has been for this mission to enable women to be more through inclusive events. You touched on something there, Ray, which is that you decided you didn't want to make money out of this. So what are your money values? Huh, that's a hard question. Um, look, I have always been taught the money comes and goes when you need it. And until very recently, I didn't actually relax into that. For my the first part of my 20s, I was so stressed about making enough money, having enough money to do the things that I needed to do or wanted to do. What running this not-for-profit has taught me is that money will come when you need it. And I'm not talking about when you think you need it. Summarizing, I guess, what you are saying it's about mindset, I guess, and having that confidence and belief that you are worthy of attracting money. Absolutely. And knowing in your heart that 
when you have a very clear vision of what you need and what you want, it will come. I guess there's a sustainability aspect as well, and I know you're very big on this, but I like to situate myself sometimes as being part of the sharing economy. So it's not just the physical money, it's also the stuff. Absolutely. It's having the things you need from what already exists and listening to your earlier podcast with the buy nothing movement. That is exactly what we're talking about here. It's we have enough in our communities, in our neighborhoods to make stuff go. And that doesn't always involve paying for things with money. Actually, we have more than enough, really. That is <laughs> it's true. a huge environmental issue. <laughs> we have more than enough. Well, I mean, some people are really don't. Food insecurity is an issue, but mm. for the majority of people, we have more than enough. Absolutely. I think mm. so. Now, we were talking on some other business-related things before, and one controversial topic you often get asked about is business cards. <laughs> yes, um, as somebody who works in a very technical field, starting with my background in tech, I don't print business cards. I think that they take up a lot of space. I know that you can get recycled paper cards, but why create it when I don't feel like I need it? I actually just keep a little QR code on my screensaver. So if somebody wants my information, they can just pull out their camera and it pulls up my website right there with all of my details for them and saves it. Okay. And how do most people respond to that? It depends. A lot of people are actually quite impressed with it. I think that you have that initial, people are like, what do you want my phone for? When I say pull out your phone. But I think that most people adapt really well to it because actually the way I've set up this code is it inserts my data automatically into your phone. All you have to do is press save. So you have it. Okay. So then people have your website? They have my website, Instagram, phone number, email, everything, LinkedIn, everything's there. And where does it save to? It saves to their contacts? Your contact. Okay. High-tech solution there. Did you create this yourself? <laughs> I did, but all the technology is already there. I think there's a good business idea right there. <laughs> well, it is an interesting thing because, as you know, we both go to some of the same networking events and usually the traditional mantra is you need a business card. And I do have business cards and when I go to in-person events and there are still a few with social distancing appropriate mechanisms in place, but there's still a few that I go to in person. A lot are on Zoom these days. But when I do go to in-person ones, I always take a stack of 30 to 40 business cards with me and hand out a lot of business cards. And the traditional mantra is you need a business card. But more recently, some people, younger people particularly who work in social media have said no, no to business cards. They're outdated. Use your Instagram feed instead. People will stalk you on LinkedIn. I definitely commiserate with that notion. I think that we don't necessarily need more stuff. I am always trying to, and I know this is a message that we share, trying to get the stuff out, right? Let's connect to the moment. Let's connect to the people. And I think that if I can create a unique moment around sharing my QR code, even if it's just, wow, that's so technical, it creates a unique moment in itself. So maybe I'm not handing someone something physical, but they will remember that moment perhaps. Mm. Well, interestingly, in Chinese communities, business cards used to be a huge thing. Well, they still are to a certain extent, but in mainland China where they're increasingly using WeChat, they have a QR code embedded in WeChat and they have a contacts function as well. So it's a bit like becoming friends with someone on Facebook, except you've got a QR scanner code. At events, people say, oh, 
can I scan you or you scan me? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds actually a bit sexy and racy because the the word for it sounds a little bit similar to something else, but, you know, it is socially appropriate to ask that. Yeah. Can I scan you? Can I scan you? Can I scan you? But I've done that successfully at a function. I was at a function where I was sitting on a table with some native Chinese speakers and I sort of went, oh, are you on WeChat? I'm on WeChat. And they went, oh, can I scan you? And so we scanned each other. And yeah, I know. And a couple of days later, they tried to recruit me to their company and I was kind of like, you can't afford me. And they went, really? And I said, no, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) It was quite funny. So the power of the QR code. There it is. Mm, There you go. So, I mean, I do think you're actually onto something. I think this is the way that we're heading. (laughs) Now, do you have a frugalista tip? I do. I think that the, the number one thing is that if you are thinking about going out on your own and you're thinking to yourself, you know, gosh, I don't know if I can afford to start a business. I don't know if I can, you know, there's all these things that kind of keep you from starting. If you just have a very clear vision of what you want to accomplish, the money will come. I promise you. That's a big one. Abundance mindset right there, mm-hmm. once again. But you are right. Like when you know someone and you know what their why is, it's really clear. You know that. You can sense it. You can feel it. When they talk to you, they're not like, oh, well, maybe, I don't know. I don't think I'm good enough. Yeah, maybe, but the market's not good. They're like, this is what I'm passionate about and this is why. And you gravitate to that person, don't you, and that idea. You, and, and that's how you buy. That's how you buy. You, as people often say, you buy from people. Absolutely. Mm. And there's certain products now that I won't buy because their founder doesn't necessarily espouse my values and I just I won't buy from them. Isn't that interesting? Mm. We've moved from this, you know, I like this teacup sitting right in front of me. I'm staring at the Joyful Business Club teacup. But if I don't agree with how it's made or who makes it, I may not buy it. How interesting. It's no longer about me liking the teacup for what it is. It's what the teacup stands for. Well, I think that's increasingly happening. I mean, not with everything. There's a lot of decisions you have to make on a day-to-day basis about your purchasing and not everyone has the mental energy to go through all those processes and prices are still a key consideration. Good point. But it's not the only consideration. No, it's not. It's not for a range of different reasons. So this is fascinating. And finally, how can people find more about you? It's not just for people in Canberra, is it? Although I know it is predominantly for women and girls in Canberra. Yes. So Canberra Gals Network, you can find us on any social media, CBR Gals. And you can find me on any social media, Ray Knopp, R-A-E-K-N-O-P. Thank you so much, Ray. And also make sure you follow the Joyful Frugalista on Instagram. Thank you so very much, Ray, for being our guest. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. You've been listening to the Joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. She actually likes everybody. And, of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. You gotta accentuate the positive Eliminate the negative Latch on to the affirmative Don't mess with Mr. In-Between So 